Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of stillcurtain.com. And joining me again today is Shane Kuvis, contributor for Still Curtain. Shane, we've got a preseason game in the books. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't too bad. It was, it was at the yeah. very, as far as preseason games go, it was quite entertaining, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, it's not quite real football yet, but we're getting closer to that. And this felt, especially when a certain person that we'll talk about later came into the game, Definitely felt more like a regular season game than most preseason games do. So, yeah, it certainly did. One that came down to the wire, too, and one that had kind of implications throughout with some potentially really key players playing late in the game, one of which being Kenny Pickett, which we'll get mm-hmm. to in just a little bit. Uh, I want to start by talking about some recent roster moves the Steelers have made. A uh, couple unfortunate things happen yeah. Anthony Miller landed on IR with a shoulder injury, Carl Joseph on IR with an ankle injury. Their seasons are believed to be done, and that's that's not good for two players who were firmly on the bubble, perhaps even on the inside of the roster bubble, uh, who could have really carved out roles this year. Absolutely, like Anthony Miller played very well in camp up to this point. He was fighting for that, you know, probably six wide receiver spot. And Carl Joseph, he's a veteran. We know what he's capable of. He's a good third, fourth safety to have, and somebody who you can trust to put out there if need be. Definitely two guys who were at least in consideration for the roster that you'd rather have the option to play if possible. Yeah, you certainly don't like to see that to anybody, even if they are players towards the bottom of the roster. Anthony Miller did begin training camp working with uh, the the first team wide receivers, which is interesting. And it it maybe showed some of the trust that that Coach Tomlin had for him. And so uh, it's we don't know how it's going to how it would have played out. We have a better idea of how it's going to play out specifically at the wide receiver position right now. But. Anthony Miller was a guy who potentially could have fought for that fifth or sixth receiver spot if the Steelers keep another one this year. Um, And a guy that offered maybe a little bit more on offense than someone like Gunnar Olszewski or uh, Miles Boykin. Uh, We shared our thoughts on the receivers before. Uh, We're going to do a roster prediction next week, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. But Mm -hmm. um, I think Miller is a player who at least at the very least had a very solid shot at sticking around. Or if it didn't work out in Pittsburgh, I could have seen someone else maybe exploring that op- as an option uh, during cutdown day. So that one hurts. Uh, Carl Joseph as well. Um, from what I had seen from from training camp, it looked like Joseph was kind of getting the nod at, as the second string strong safety over Miles Killebrew, a guy that has more experience defensively in that department. Uh, Killebrew is kind of the special teams uh, guru yes. there, but. Uh, Joseph is a guy who really could have carved out a role, especially if there was a, a sa- uh, an injury to a safety this year. So uh, not moves that we like to see. Um, in addition to those two, 
the Steelers were forced to cut their roster like every other team down from 90 players to 85 uh, in the process. They got rid of Doug Costin, uh, Jake Dixon, the offense tackle, Chris Owens, uh, the undrafted rookie guard, and their backup punter. Any thoughts on that? Nothing unexpected. Um, and we kind of know that as far as punting battle, it's going to be Harvin again this year to start the year, which I'm, I'm glad about. I want to see him have a chance to kind of redeem himself. As far as the other guys, again, they were depth, offensive linemen at best, not not anything unexpected. And then defensive line, we know that there's only a few guys who are even consideration at this point. So probably for the best for them to kind of maybe see if they can stick somewhere else or figure out what they want to do next. Yeah, and Doug Costin was one of those guys. He was he was a fun story for USFL guy, but mm-hmm. there was just no chance of him sticking yes. on a, with the depth of the defensive line. The Stewards already have a decision to make, and that's whether yeah. or not to devote a seventh Mm-hmm. Uh, spot roster spot to the interior defensive line something they haven't done in 10 years since 2012 yeah. and so that player would be uh Montrevious Adams or Isaiah Loudermilk we're going to touch on those guys a little bit later as well um in the process we do the math here for roster cuts two players on IR that's six players the Steelers had one more spot available and so that they signed Bill Dunkel a uh, former uh, former guard of the Eagles um it's kind of, I don't want to use the word camp body, but that's kind of what it feels like at this point, especially with another round of roster cuts coming right up. So uh, do you think there's any hope for him? I think the problem is he's pretty much purely a, a run first player. Like he does not really do offer you much from the pass blocking standpoint. We already have guys who kind of fit that build to a certain degree, but are, have better chance of becoming better pass blockers. In my opinion, he he'll be nice to have just because you will be able to get some good run snaps out of him if need be like in the preseason, if he sticks or practice, but I don't see him doing much other than that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be incredibly difficult for him, especially I think John LeGlue had a a good game in his first preseason game. I think that he's solid. Uh, And and so when you get a guy this late in the process, who's still trying to learn the names of his teammates right Mm -hmm. now, and it might be with them a week or two. And so it kind of just seemed like a due diligence type of move. Uh, we'll see where it goes. And one other thing I want to touch um, on some of the roster moves. Not official that I've seen yet, unless you've mm-hmm. seen it, Shane, but Master seen. Teague was carted off yesterday. And so we don't know the severity of the injury. Master Teague is obviously he's the, the Steelers' uh, backup running back. I thought he played pretty well in his first yeah. preseason game, averaged over five yards a carry. He didn't play until later in the second half, but I thought he did a pretty good job overall. Former Ohio State running back, uh, really good athlete. Uh, this was a big blow to a guy that was having a strong camp. Yeah, really a uh, great name as well. He's definitely going to be on all-name all teams if he sticks at any <laughs> All-name Hall of but Fame right there. Exactly, yeah. But I, w- I will say he did play very well, I think, in his limited snaps. He showed toughness as a runner. That's what he was going to have to show to kind of stick on a roster. And it is unfortunate if he does miss a lot of time or if his season's done. We, like So we really don't know at this point. But if he does come back before camp's over, I could see him continuing to fight for a spot. Yeah, let's hope it's not too bad for him. For for a player in his position, it's so tough because yeah. a guy that was already outside of the roster bubble, you can't afford a hit like this. And so no. maybe what'll and I don't want to speculate here, but if the the injury is severe at all and it's not gonna he's not gonna be back for these next couple of preseason games, it might be one of those situations where the Steelers will try to stash him on IR maybe and try again maybe. next year in, in his second yeah. season. So uh we're, we're wishing the best of luck for him there. All right, let's talk about the Steelers' first preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks last Saturday. A lot of interesting things to note. Um, I went through it just recently, and I did my stock report. And so we're going to kind of talk about 
the players that stood out in a positive light and the ones who stood out in a negative way. And so mm-hmm. let's let's stop. Well, let's start with the stock rising players. And the first name that I want to point out on that list is George Pickens. Hard to be upset with his rookie debut. The 21-year-old impressed all through training camp. He comes in, has a connection, obviously, with, with Mitchell Trubisky and, and Mason Rudolph when he came in uh, afterwards and uh, caught all three of his catchable targets. There were two overthrows yes. that weren't deemed catchable. Caught all three of his catchable targets for 43 yards and a touchdown. What do you think of his performance in his first game? I just was really happy to see the things that we had seen in camp translate to the field, right? It is a preseason sure. game. It's the first quarter mostly, second quarter a little bit. But, like, seeing him do it on the field against any competition other than the Steelers in camp just kind of helps you realize this is a real thing. This isn't just camp hype. And, honestly, his stock might be about as high as anybody in the NFL right now. I mean, the NFL themselves tweet about him, seems like, every day. Like, no one's going to be surprised by this guy going off at this point, which is a bit of a disadvantage. I'd rather him be kind of a secret weapon, but he's made it impossible to be a secret weapon. He's played about as well as you could ask a rookie at all, at any position, let alone a receiver coming into play. Yeah, I know this this uh, phrase gets overused because and it's so cliche at this point, but his stock literally is soaring right yeah. now. I, I feel like it's, it's very safe to say that. I think that gets overused, mm-hmm. but it really is for Pickens. Uh, the NFL Twitter account went as far as to change their profile picture mm-hmm. to the, the 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 famous picture of George Pickens <laughs> watching himself in the draft. Now it's George uh, Pickens watching himself uh, watching himself t- catch a touchdown pass touchdown, in the preseason yeah. game. So so the NFL and the NFL media in general seems to be pretty high on Pickens. Yes. They probably should be from everything mm-hmm. that we've seen so far. Uh, there's nothing to suggest otherwise. Remember, this is a guy that suffered an ACL tear last year and it caused him to only play four games in his junior season at Georgia before declaring for the draft. And so had we, we seen him in a full season last year, the, the results could have been very different. I don't think yeah. we're looking at a guy that's available with the 52nd pick and the Steelers are able to snag no. him right there. No, I don't think so at all. No. All right, let's go to uh, my next player that stood out in a positive light. And that was Trey Norwood. I thought that, Trey Norwood had a very good side, a very good game on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, second year defensive back was a seventh round pick. Nothing special in terms of like size or athleticism, but man, this guy is versatile. And you can mm-hmm. see that with where he lines up. He can play cornerback, nickel, he can play free safety. And so he just feels like he has a, a, a very good feel for the for the football. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he was targeted four times, did not allow a reception and had two pass breakups in that game. And that's with him only playing r- roughly half the game. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on him? He's a guy that when you put him out there against non-starting players, especially he flashes because of how much smarter, how much faster he is to the ball, how much easier it is for him to diagnose things than a lot of the guys he's playing against, right? Like you can tell that on a intellectual level of the game, he's at a higher level than the guys he's playing against. Now, it doesn't translate as easily when he's going against starting caliber players, but it still shows up enough that it does make him very playable despite the athleticism not really being there, like you said, the size being kind of iffy. He's one of those players that he's always in the right spot, and it allows him to kind of leverage his knowledge of the game and allow him to still be in the right place, even if he always can't run there like some other guys can. So he was very impressive. I really like to see him play well. I'd love for him to be able to be kind of that Swiss army knife. Like they wanted, I think what Tomlin wanted out of him when he came out, 
And if he can do that, it'll be just another piece on the defense that we can throw out there to confuse teams and to mess with them. Yeah, and usually, like, there's not ever a ton of hope for those guys that are drafted as yeah. late as he was, seventh-round selection. But I thought that Norwood did enough to impress as a rookie, and I think that his his versatility is going to be an asset. I mean, I think this is a guy that could really carve out a niche, like, in dime packages for the Steelers. Yes. You can come in, he, he's, he's versatile, he can play multiple positions, and certainly just didn't disappoint in his first preseason game. Uh, I want to see if he can take that next step forward this year and really be a guy that they can go to and count on in that secondary. All right, let's talk about Mitch Trubisky. His debut with the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy, uh, almost everybody's projecting him to be the starting quarterback of the Steelers. Yeah. I think that we probably agree there as well. Um, what did you make of his first performance? It was only a couple of drives. He finished the game at four of seven. Uh, nine yards in attempt, which is good in, in a passing mm -hmm. touchdown. A lot of that was some, some yak yards from Gunnar Olszewski there. But what did you think of his first performance? I think the thing that stood out was his ability to throw under pressure. Because one of the things that has always concerned me with Mitch is once he has to go past his either his first read or just have to actually make a play outside of those first couple reads, the play tends to kind of break down for him. And he was able to go to the right place, find the right place to get with the football under pressure, especially that throw to Gunner that he stopped and ran up the sideline after he caught the ball. He was thrown right on time to where it needs to be. And he got plowed after the play. Like he got <laughs> hammered and it didn't matter. He still got the ball to the right place. And if you, if he can do that behind the offensive line, that again, still kind of shaky from a pass protection standpoint, if he can make plays like that in the regular season and he can continue to show that, He's going to be this team's starting quarterback, obviously, at least to start the year. And I think he can hang on to that job, too, if he can do some of that stuff well. And the touchdown was great. Like, you saw Pickens carry, like, three guys with him. They were, everybody's worried about him. Gunner gets open the back. He rolls out, throws a perfect ball. It was about as good of a first drive, especially, that I could have hoped for from him. Yeah, it really was. Uh, not much to complain about there at all. And I agree with you on your assessment of Trubisky in general. And this is a guy that I want to see be able to make some of those plays. The the factor that Steelers have going in their favor this year they didn't have over the last several years is mobility now, yes, right? With, with yeah. Trubisky and eventually when Pickett comes in, both mm -hmm. of those guys can move. They can really get outside the pocket and extend the play. And so uh, I'm definitely excited about that aspect of his game. I thought it was a, a good first performance overall. Uh, now, we got to remember, they're not exactly playing the cream of the crop here. No, this is the Seattle no, Seahawks, no. And, and by most accounts, probably one of the, the least talented teams that's going to be out there in the league this year. But I do give uh, credit where credit is due. I think that yeah. he did a good job. This is, remember, his, his first meaningful NFL action playing with these guys, and yes. I don't think it was a bad performance at all. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a couple of the running backs in mm -hmm. this contest. The first is Anthony McFarlane. This is a guy I've been trashed for talking in positive <laughs> light about Anthony no, McFarlane. Yeah. I know he did nothing in his first two years, yeah. nothing at all, but I still have some hope that this guy could be kind of that, uh, I don't know, lightning to Najee Harris's mm -hmm. thunder, although it's going to be 99% Najee. We know oh, that yeah, for sure. But a guy that can just come in and offer a spark. I mean, he was fast and he was, he was a guy that I really liked his college tape too. And so, I think he's finally starting to get it. I don't know if it's something that's yeah. clicking, if it took him a while to get the playbook, or, or and part of it was injuries as well. But McFarlane looked really good, I thought, in his first game. Average eight yards a pop, and that's that's not bad. He's going to, uh, playing with the starters there. Uh, there's some good run blocking up front, but man, he he wiggled out free for a big twenty yeah. plus twenty six yard carry. And Something so, like that, yeah, yeah, I, I thought he had a pretty good performance. So, uh, what do you think of uh, his twenty twenty two debut? 
I'm just really excited to see him look healthy because that's, as you mentioned, like, yeah, he's, he hasn't been great when he has gotten on the field, but it's really been injuries. I think the primary problem for him is just staying on the field, getting comfortable. And it seems like it does seem like he is getting comfortable with the playbook and the fact that he's the kind of runner that if he, as long as his vision is okay, that's what really I struggled with a little bit whenever he was first starting to get some playing time as a rookie, especially the vision really wasn't there. The ability to break tackles wasn't really there. He was pretty much just a speed guy, right? Which that's nice to have, but it, it's very not very useful depending on the situation. What I saw from him in this game, one, the vision was definitely there, especially on that cutback run where he was able to get outside and, and make guys miss down the sideline. You talk about the speed still looks good. He still has a quickness, and he was fighting through tackles. And it isn't, again, it's not the best defense he's playing against, but he's still breaking tackles by a lot of guys who are going to be players for the Seahawks this year are going to be in the NFL. He, this was the best he's looked period since getting drafted by, I think a pretty good margin. Oh yeah. I would, I would certainly agree too. And and we, we got to be careful again, not to overhype it is preseason, yeah. but and I think we both, we both know that, but if I think that if Anthony McFarland is a guy that ends up carving out a role for the yeah. Steelers, I think he's just going to be a guy with a niche. He's not going to be your, your well-rounded running back, the bruiser between the tackles. And he's really not going to be the guy that you want uh, in pass protection situations either, because yeah. I think that he, he might, if he's not the worst, he's him and Mateo Durant. He's probably one of the yeah. worst in terms of his, his past uh, uh, protection pickups. Uh, so, so far of the running backs in training camp. And so that's just not going to be his forte. His, his niche yeah. is going to be speed uh, breaking off chunk plays. He's not going to do a lot of the, the arm tackle breaking like we saw from some of these other running backs so far. Um, but he can chew up yards in a hurry. And even in the yeah. times, if he does go down on first contact, you could see some of those runs that are four, six yards. He's hitting the hole hard. He's getting positive yardage. And I thought he looked pretty impressive. So let's go to the next running back who I thought was perhaps equally as impressive. Didn't average yeah. as many yards per carry, but man, broke a lot of tackles. Uh, didn't get the opportunity to play with a first string uh, offensive line like McFarland did. But yeah. Jalen Warren, and this is an undrafted rookie at Oklahoma State. We didn't give it. We kind of wrote him off like very yeah. early on. And I think that it was like Mateo Durant was the guy that was getting all the buzz because he was the six foot running back with four, four speed. And, mm -hmm. and so little, uh, uh, little Jalen Warren at five foot eight and 215 pounds, he was kind of getting overlooked, just an average athlete, big 12 guy, but man, he has been impressive in camp and he didn't disappoint in his first preseason action. Right. Absolutely. And he's a guy that to me right now, and this kind of is going to be something we talk about here shortly, but he's the guy that seems to be the best fit of the guys I've seen to be the direct backup to Najee, right? He's not obviously the same size as Najee, but he's the same type of runner in the sense of being very difficult to tackle. He's going to break tackles. He's not going to outrun you really at all, but he's going to make it difficult for you to get him on the ground. He was really good as a pass catcher too. He had the touchdown from Kenny. He caught four passes for 30 yards, I believe. Like He made an impact in all facets of the game, and he can pass protect. I really think he can do that at the NFL level, and that allows him to be – especially if, God forbid, something happened to Najee, which would be not great for us. But he could at least do some of the things that I think Najee does very well, just not to the same level. Yeah, ball security has been an issue with him. Yeah, but outside of that, man, I've been really impressed from everything else that I saw. I, I thought the same when I was down in Latrobe myself for a few days and and watching him perform down there. And, it, and it, was, it was much of the same, just a guy that impresses, great contact balance, runs through arm tackles, doesn't lo lose a lot of speed in the process, kind of like that little bowling ball mentality right there. And so yeah. definitely a player that's really fun to watch. We might have a little bit of a running back battle on our hands. I We're going to talk so. about that in a little bit. 
So let's talk about one more of our winners and uh, for the stock rising, and that is Kenny Pickett. Mm -hmm. uh, hard to argue with the results in Kenny Pickett's debut, completed 13 of 15 passes for under 100 yards, uh, did have the touchdown pass at the end. He was aided by his receiver there, but I thought it was a very good performance, a scripted one at that, but a very good performance. Uh, I think Matt Canada, Canada uh had him well protected as, as to not make any poor decisions or anything that way. And so it was a give and take there, but I really like what I saw from him. So uh, go ahead and expand on what you thought from uh, Pickett's first preseason game. I think it's very interesting you talk about scripting because I do think that there was a very purposeful way that they expected him to play, right? Because we've mm -hmm. seen him make the spectacular throws in the run. We've seen him escape the pocket. We've seen him do all those things his last year with Pitt. It's going to be how good is he at doing the stuff that we saw him do in this game, hitting the right guy on the checkdowns, throwing the ball, you know, right past the line of scrimmage, make sure you get those shorter passes that you can complete easily. Take what the defense gives you in general. That's the stuff that I really want to see Kenny do well at early on because that tells me that even though I do think he's already a pretty ready player overall coming in the league, if he can do those things well and you get some of this spectacular stuff with him running away from guys and throwing the ball down the field to all these receivers that he's going to have if he does play at all, that tells me that he could have a pretty decent ceiling even as a rookie if he had to come in and play. Now, I still kind of hope that the way that Trubisky's playing that he doesn't have to play and it's not because – Trubisky's bad. It's just because they want to play him if they ever do. But this does give me hope that he could win from the structure of the offense. He doesn't have to make plays on the run constantly. He doesn't have to be just a playmaker. And that he understands if I play within myself inside the pocket more, it's going to make my eff effectiveness on those rollout plays and the play action stuff even more effective than it would be anyway. Yeah. And uh, everybody should be pleased with what they saw yes. from him. I think that we can all agree that the arrow has been pointing up. Um, and nobody should be dissatisfied with Canada's game plan for him either. I know no, the I yards so. per attempt weren't there, just 6.3 yards in attempt. Uh, if that were a season average, that'd be very poor. That's not that what we want. Like, yeah, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be like yeah. Ben Roethlisberger, like 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger level, which is not <laughs> yeah. ideal. And, yeah. and so we want to see that go up. I'm looking for that to go up in the next few games. But in terms of like his debut performance, keep him protected, allow him to make some simple reads, let him get comfortable. And that's exactly what he did. And, yeah. and ultimately it, it, it took a forced fumble from Mark Robinson, but he was able yes. to lead that game winning drive. Um, and so that, that's, I mean, it couldn't have worked out a whole lot better uh, for Pickett in his debut. All right, let's shift gears. And there weren't as many notable yeah. like players who just, just bombed in this game, right? but there were a few. Yeah. And sadly, my biggest one was Devin Bush. Like, I just don't know what is going on with this guy anymore. I went back and watched the All-22. I, I, I watched the game for a second time. I am not pleased with what I've seen from him. Are you getting a different feel or are you thinking the same, Shane? It's just so hard to watch him and remember the way he started his career. Because even as a rookie, like, obviously he was a rookie linebacker playing for the Steelers. It's hard to do that. He made his mistakes, but he flashed a ton of big playability. And then his 2020 started off really well for the first, you know, five games or so before he tore his ACL. And it just seems like more so than normal now with the ACL injuries, it just seems to have affected him in such a bad way. Like he just can't, he doesn't have the same burst. He doesn't have the instincts that he showed as much anymore, which again, shouldn't even be affected by the ACL really. He doesn't have the tenacity in the run game. Like he is a smaller player overall. So you have to be willing to really dive at guys and get in the action. He just doesn't do it anymore. And 
unless that changes, unless his mentality changes, and maybe that's the biggest thing. Maybe it is a mentality thing for him at this point. He doesn't want to be the guy that maybe gets into the rough and, and deals with that stuff. That has to change if he wants to be a starter on this team at all, and especially if he wants to be an effective one who gets a second contract. Things have to change very, very fast, and I just don't know if I can say that they will at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm kicking myself for my evaluation of him initially. Yeah. Like, this is a guy I watched a lot in college. And so just the other day, I went back and I put on some of his college tape again. I'm telling you, I don't believe that he plays like the same player no, that we doesn't. saw at Michigan, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. This is a guy that was flying around the field, playing 100 miles yeah. an hour, playing like his hair was on fire. He was hitting people hard. And we just – we see like a shade of that Devin Bush right now. I don't I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to – to cherry pick what it is, it, it, I don't know if it's an effort issue, if it's, he doesn't right. trust his knee, or if he's just a bad football player. <laughs> it could be a combination of the three, for all Probably, I know. But yeah. it, it's it's not good. The, the results that we saw were not good. It was much of the same against the Seahawks. Completely washed out of a few plays, late in coverage on a few, just completely less than ideal. And they didn't do anything particularly well. I think that uh, even Pro Football Focus in his first preseason game had him finish with like a twenty nine grade yeah, it overall. Was, it was which ugly. Is, yeah. It was, it was an ugly grade. And so, man, Steelers, they certainly have a question at linebacker. It, yeah. it, it looks like it, it could be rolling with a, a combination of Bush and Spillane. And hopefully you put those guys in the right field uh, at the right time or on the field at the right time. Maybe the collection of the two of them can make for one average linebacker. I think, hope, I think the Steelers yeah. fans would accept that at this point. If <laughs> at this point, yeah. Play from them uh jack looked good i was pleased with that and so yes yeah. uh but but bush not so much and that's going to be a huge factor on defense this year all right let's talk about kendrick green this is a guy that it, he gets talked about a lot on twitter and he probably should this is a guy's former third round pick the steelers moved his position after mm-hmm. one season i was not a fan of them doing that a guy that's it stands under six foot two and roughly 300 pounds it's I got an issue with that. And, and, and my issue is Kendrick Green at guard goes down to the first percentile, meaning that 99% of NFL guards, according to Mock Draftables database, that have come into the league since 1999 are larger than he mm-hmm. is. And so when you get somebody that's that much of an outlier, like a, a bite-sized player in respect to the other players of his position, you kind of got to figure that things – can go south and that's what we've seen so far not only at practice i feel like in the one-on-ones uh he struggled against the bull rush and then we saw much of the same against seattle so what were your thoughts on green in this game i think that ultimately like green's best chance to stick from like you said like a size perspective and from you know finding some sort of qualities with him that makes sense is center and he showed last year it just i don't think it's going to work and playing him at guard there's certain things that he does well that might translate at guard, but he just doesn't, like you said, have the size, the power, the base. Like he just he doesn't handle power well enough to play inside in general. And obviously he's way too small to play anything other than inside still. Mm-hmm. He's kind of pigeonholed into this backup-ish guard who like maybe he won't kill you if he's out there occasionally, but I just don't see a path to him ever being able to be a starter at guard or really center, even unless he really develops his technique at center. And they just don't have time to play around with them. Like they need to play Dotson. Obviously is the guy that should be playing there whenever he's healthy and good to go. But even like John LeGlue, he's a better player right now than Kendrick Green, really in every aspect. And like, that's nothing against like LeGlue, not saying he's a terrible player, but if you're a third round pick last year and you're getting outplayed by him consistently two years now, really, if you count last year when he did play, 
I think it's they're at a point where like that experiment's pretty much over. Yeah, I won't argue with you there. I mean, Leglue has had a strong camp and yeah. he was excellent in the preseason. He didn't he allow was, pressure. Yeah, he was, he, I mean, his pocket was perfect. And so I, it's not the exact same situation. They're not green played with the starters. Leglue didn't, but man, it, we're, if we're, the fact that we're even comparing him <laughs> right now to an undrafted guy saying <sighs> and, and confidently saying that this guy looks better than green, mm-hmm. it probably means that the Steelers missed on the pick. And I don't want to oh, be man. too much of a Debbie Downer, but. We're in year two. This guy still looks rough. He looks like he's on roller skates and pass protection. And yeah. it's, it's just not something that we want to deal with. And I don't think it's something that can go on too much longer. We're going to talk about Kendrick Green in the pod just a little bit later too. But let's get to the rest of the players with the stock trending down after the first preseason game. Uh, we thought Devin Bush was bad. Buddy Johnson wasn't a whole heck of a lot better, more productive on the stat sheet. So yeah. if you care about that at all, Johnson led the team in tackles, seven solo tackles in this game. And I thought he did a few things all right. Uh, he had a couple of nice plays. But in general, I thought it was like kind of much of the same that we saw from Bush, just the guy that was just late to react to everything. I think he was definitely more active than Bush overall. Like he was trying Certainly, more. The yeah. effort looks better. But again, he just doesn't – he didn't get to the right spots at the right times. His athleticism is is good for linebackers in general, but it's not spectacular. So he can't really afford to be that late, as late as he was, both in coverage and trying to defend the run. Again, it just seems like everybody on this team outside of Jack and maybe Splain in the run game occasionally – they're just late to the party to stuff. It just they don't diagnose things fast enough. They and then once they do, they don't trigger downhill with the speed you need to if you're going to be late at all. And Bush used to be able to get away with that, I think, a little bit. But now that he doesn't have that same burst, at least that I saw early on, neither of these guys can really make those plays late like they maybe used to be able to get away with. Like it just isn't happening right now. Yeah, and what I mean. What a great story it would have been like if Buddy Johnson would yes, have been like this great. guy that comes in, Bush is struggling. Buddy Johnson, this 92 percentile athlete, fourth yeah. fourth round pick, he comes in and he's the guy instead of That'd Bush. Unfortunately, it's not looking like that's going to be the case. I'm not going to write Buddy Johnson no, me already. He's, he's a young guy. He's got a lot to learn. Uh, he has shown flashes. Uh, overall, though, haven't heard a lot from him in terms of what he's done in training camp. And then I wasn't overly pleased. Uh, it, with his first uh, appearance in the preseason this year. And I, I think he's going to be one of those guys too. I just don't know what his niche is going to be. I don't know if he's yeah. going to be a guy that can cover really well or, or come downhill really well, like Vince Williams. He just, he's just kind of there. And I, I want to see a lot more from him uh, going Absolutely. into the next game. All right, let's talk about James Daniels. Uh, the guy I was high on, this is one of my favorite offseason signings, yeah. but I'm going to put him in the stock trending down. And he just had a couple reps that scared me a little bit in his mm-hmm. first preseason game. I'm not worried about him. I think we've seen four years of, of pretty quality play from James Daniels on a pretty bad football team. And so what were your thoughts on Daniels in his first game? Yeah, I was definitely a little disappointed just because I was hoping for better from him to start off. It is a preseason game for a player who is a veteran. He isn't a guy that like you have to worry about trying to make the team. So him not playing super well in the first preseason game isn't alarming or anything. But he was on the ground a few too, too many times for my liking, especially. Made that mistake with diagnosing who was coming on the rush and, and got Trubisky yep. hit. Like it to me, like he I would have loved a better debut for him for sure. But until I see it a couple times. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, he's a bust of, of signing. Like, that's way too early to say. Yeah, we're not we're not going to go hitting the panic button on James no. Daniels anytime soon. Although I will say that 
it, it looks like from from all the reports that I've seen, it's been a little bit up and down at preseason. Hasn't been particularly like a standout in like the O line versus D line drills. I don't think that is necessarily where. Uh, his forte is though either he's not a power guy, he's more of a, no. a athlete and technique and finesse guy. And so yes. I think once we get into the regulars, I think there's still a good chance that when we look back on the 2022 season, we could say, yeah, James Daniels was probably the best offensive lineman of the group. I still think that's certainly possible. Oh, um, yeah. I would be kind of surprised if he ended up being the weak link of this bunch. Yeah, would you? That I'd be surprised. Anything if he's the third or or better lineman that we had this year. That's going to be what I would expect, if not more than that. Anything worse than that, and I'd definitely be surprised. Yeah, so we're going to take that one with a grain of salt. All right, what about Delonte Scott? Steelers backup edge defender. Got the nod to, to play with the first-team defense, or what was left of it at least. We're missing yeah. a bunch of guys on defense. Right. Yeah. But I mean, this is a guy who had a pretty strong camp by, by pretty much everybody's remarks, but he comes into this preseason game He's getting pushed up the arc. He's getting completely washed out in the run. Is there anything that Delonte Scott can do now to save himself on this roster and say, yeah, I can beat out Jannard Avery or uh, Derek Tuska for one of those final spots? I mean, the only thing that's going to help him at this point is just the lack of depth at edge and just deciding how many guys mm -hmm. we keep. Like Tuska looked overall pretty decent compared to the rest of the group as a pass rusher, especially. Um, so his spot's probably secure. Avery, when he's healthy, he's, he's going to make the team. He's the best. He's the third best edge mm -hmm. rusher for sure right now on the team. So those two guys are very safe. Scott, just like you say, didn't do anything to, to sit there and say, yeah, he can play snaps for this team if you need him to. He didn't show anything that would – suggest that and against the Seahawks offensive line that definitely is not known for being very good obviously for a long time part of why they no longer have their quarterback there but it he just didn't show enough for me to say yeah I, that's the guy who I could see getting some some third down snaps occasionally maybe Highsmith needs to come off and whatever else but he's gonna have to hope that either he really shows out the rest of camp and sticks around long enough to do that or that the injuries continue to be there at edge yeah and prior to that game I would have said uh, Delonte Scott's a guy we can have a conversation about, right? This is a guy yeah. that we can at least put in that Derek Tuska mix of players who could potentially be that fourth edge on the team. And I think after that performance, I mean, we just saw like a sheer lack of NFL power. And, mm -hmm. and so he would really, really, I think, have to step things up a lot in these next two performances to, to jump back into that conversation. And so I think we're to do a roster prediction right now. Uh, we would both pretty safely have him on the outside. Looking yeah, in. right now. Yeah. All right, let's talk about one more name uh, that we have in the stock trending down, and and that was Carlos Davis. This is a guy that uh, I wanted to give a second chance to. He, he suffered the injury last year, didn't get to play much. Athletic guy coming out. Obviously, his his twin brother, Khalil, is on the team fighting for the same position, which is, I'm sure, a complete rarity. But mm, yeah. uh, the chances of either one of these guys making the roster at this point is probably slim to none. We're, we're, we'd have to look at an injury to an interior defender for probably to happen. And Carlos Davis, I don't think helped this case in his first preseason game. No, his brother's the one who made the play that make, that Mike Tomlin really yes. smiled about at the end, of the end of the game. So yeah, I, it's just hard. Like even if he played great, I just don't know if there's room for really either of the brothers or some of the other guys down the roster. Like it's just so hard to crack that rotation at this point of who we expect to be there that, Again, it's going to take an injury or them deciding to keep way too many defensive linemen. Maybe they're scared from last year, but I don't think it's going to be enough guys, obviously, for them to really be in, in serious consideration. They're really playing for 
trying to make a team somewhere else or trying to get on a, on a squad if they can, somewhere practice squad, that type of thing. Yeah, and unfortunately for Carlos, I think that he he's missed his window, and it happened last year yeah. when the defensive line was depleted. Unfortunately, exactly. he was injured he was at part the same of time. <laughs> yeah, and, and so he didn't get that opportunity to prove himself when the opportunities would have been available, and this year they're just not going to be. And so I yeah. feel for him there, uh, but not the strongest performance from him. All right, if you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate your support. Okay, Shane, we're going to talk about the upcoming preseason game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I want to talk about next week, I plan to do a roster prediction. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see if we can windle down our 53. But for today... I want to talk about the biggest positions to watch in terms of implications, not only for the roster, but potentially uh, for a starting gig as well. Mm -hmm. But let's start with the running back position. A lot riding on this game, I feel like. And I know that that these coaches, they see these players all the time in camp. And so the camp practices are probably every bit as impactful as what the preseason games are. But we didn't see Benny Snell in week one. The guy was nursing an injury, just recently came back to practice. What we did see was McFarlane and Warren really take off in his absence. And so now I, I think we legitimately, I think you could almost describe it as a three-way race for that RB2 spot behind Najee Harris right now. And I know that Warren's the undrafted guy. He had a couple fumbles uh, it, it throughout camp and and he's got to he work on his ball security. But I think it's pretty fair to say that these guys are at the very least in the same tier and so I think what happens this Saturday against the Jaguars is going to be important, don't you think? Absolutely. Benny Snell especially, and this is someone I've been on record talking about before. You can ask anybody who I talk <laughs> you know, sports with a lot in general. I just don't view him as a true NFL caliber running back at this point. I really don't. And, and that's nothing against Benny Snell. I think he's a great guy from everything I've heard. It just when you watch him play, you can tell he doesn't have the athleticism you want from the position. He doesn't really run with as much power as you'd want for a guy who that's his game. That's what he was known for coming out of Kentucky. And if McFarland is healthy and able to at least break some tackles and to show the speed, show the stuff that makes him good, and Warren can deal with the fumbles and not have that be a major issue, those two are more talented than him. They just are. And you know, maybe they're more comfortable with Snell because he's been there, he's gotten the chance to play. And he's done enough for them to not just keep him off the roster. But he really should be looking behind him right now and saying, oh, those two guys are probably more talented than me. I really have to show something. And if he can do that, then obviously he'll probably have the leg up because he has been the number two back so far. But in my in my money, I'd rather have a combo of McFarlane and Warren behind Najee. And that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I agree with you as well. And I don't know if it's that the Stewarts had nothing else. And so... It was Benny Snell football Mm -hmm. or Mike Tomlin really likes Benny Snell football. I don't know how you get on that bandwagon. Like I was never there to begin with, like coming out of Kentucky. Like I know Snell was a young guy. He fit the profile five ten plus two twenty plus a guy that can run between the tackles, but he wasn't overly efficient at doing that. He did carry his team a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I, I, sometimes I feel like combine numbers are important. It's not, not in every case, but in this case, I feel like, you are spending a fourth round pick, a quality mid round selection on a running back that's pushing four seven speed in his youth. 
and with it without suffering an injury, this is a slow plotting running back. And we have seen nothing over the past three years to suggest us that he's been any different from that guy. He has not taken a step forward. If anything, he's taken a step backwards, average 2.7 yards a carry. Uh, if you look at football outsiders, uh, in terms of efficiency, he is near the bottom of the list among every single qualifying running back in the NFL uh, in terms of efficiency numbers last year, uh, DBOA and otherwise. And so just just not great. The results have not been great. I think what is saving Snell right now is this is a guy that plugged in over 300 special team snaps yes. for the Steelers last season alone. Now it'll be up to them to decide, can we replace that special teams value with another player? And if the answer is yes, then Snell needs to be gone. There's just no way that you can justify keeping him on the roster when he's not good as a running back. And McFarland and Warren could potentially be with that opportunity, with the same opportunity that Snell has had. And so, uh, not crazy about what uh, what we've been seeing from Snell. He missed that first game, but man, does he need to have a big game? I think in this second showing because in these last couple practices, uh, at least in this today's practice, I don't remember if Snell had been practicing for the last two days or not. If he just came back, but Warren has been running ahead of him in practice, and and some that's something that the coaching staff is obviously intrigued by now is getting him a little bit more involved, and so definitely interested to see how that race unfolds. Big implications at the running back position against Jacksonville this week. All right, let's look at the wide receiver position. Uh, sadly, Anthony Miller is out of the race right. with landing on IR with a shoulder injury. Um, but we do have Gunnar Olszewski. We do have Miles Boykin. This is a team that last year they kept just five receivers on the roster. If the Steelers keep Olszewski and Boykin, that's six guys. And that's mm -hmm. counting uh, Calvin Austin as well, assuming that he doesn't begin the season on PUP or anything like that. And so do you think that the Steelers, first of all, are willing to devote an, an additional roster spot to the wide receiver position this year? And let's, and I also want to say, after you answer that, hypothetically, if they do not, which of these two guys makes the roster? Good question. So definitely as far as whether I think they could keep a sixth spot, I really do because the competition is there. Like the guys mm -hmm. have shown that they deserve the spots and that they're fighting for them. And I think that if you have six guys who are all worthy of a spot, you might as well give them to them, especially if one of them is Miles Boykin, who I think could, in the event that you want to move on from Snell, he could be that special teams replacement because he's a great special teams player. Always has been since he's been at the Ravens. Also a really good blocker mm -hmm. for the offense if you need to have him in for that. He can do things that I think are just as valuable, if not more valuable, than what Snell's brought special teams-wise. So I think if you keep six, those two, Olszewski to being a returner and occasional offensive guy, Boykin kind of the same way, they could bring more value than having like a fourth running back or, you know, whatever else they might keep instead. If they only keep five, I like Boykin a lot because I think he has some potential still as a receiver, at least as like a downfield threat and as a good blocker on the outside. But Olszewski looked pretty good in the preseason game as a receiver too. I think he has some maybe untapped potential there. He does have you know very good quickness, obviously, from that returning background. Smart player. Seemed like he catches the ball pretty well in that game, especially. I, I do think that there's they're going to keep both of them, but if I had to keep one, I'm probably leaning toward Boykin, if, especially if one of the other guys can handle return duties. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit on this. Yeah. I, I agree with the fact. I think that they will devote that sixth spot yeah. to receiver this year, something that they did not do last year, and they didn't have the depth for it last year either so i think that they do keep both when it's all said and done however if i were making that choice and i i think it's the one the steelers would probably make as well probably. i think it, they would keep gunner olszewski 
former all pro return man led the NFL in return yards and uh, return average and in punt return average last season, a guy that can give you a lot of special team snaps in a variety of ways. And a guy that I, well, the other thing is contractually too. So the Steelers signed Oshevsky for a two year contract uh, devoted a little over 4.2 million with them. So the financial investments a little bit higher there as well. I, I agree that Boykin, he offers a lot as a gunner. Uh, his special teams ability is very good in that regard as well. Again, if that's a, if that's a guy that I can keep instead of Benny Snell, I'm doing that oh, yeah, for sure. because yeah, for sure. he offers more there and he's more mm-hmm. valuable coming in, even just as a reserve wide receiver than Snell is coming in to, to take up snaps and get two yards to carry as a, as a running right. back. And so right. uh, I agree though, that I think that they will keep both. I think they'll find a way to make that sixth receiver work this year. And I, when we're looking at these guys, number five, number six on the roster, we aren't looking at guys that are going to carve out a big role in offense. These are going to no. be more of your like your Darius Hayward Bay types, the guys that are yeah. towards the bottom bottom of the roster. They have to have that niche on special teams. Um, they got to carve out their role there because there's no sense of putting like a Miles Boykin in the game. To for example, when you can have George Pickens in the game or right, Chase Claypool exactly. in the game, we just there's just better options ahead of them, but. I agree. I think both of these guys end up making the roster. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do this week against Jacksonville. I think that they're both relatively safe at this point, but I don't think that would have been the case had Miller not yes. suffered that injury. Then I Miller think that could have made it interesting for sure. Yeah, he certainly would have. I think they would have both had to work a little bit harder, even in especially probably Boykin would have had to work a little bit harder as well because mm-hmm. they're probably only keeping one guy for special teams um, of those bottom three guys there, and so that that would have made that race interesting. I know, I know a lot of people liked uh, what they saw from Steven Sims in the first yeah. game. He did have the, the huge uh, end-around <laughs> carry. He had a nice punt return. Offensively, he didn't do much. I just feel like Steve, Steven Sims is a guy that's – unless he really can take that punt return job away from yes. Olszewski, he doesn't have that niche on special teams, and he's not a guy that's valuable enough to keep uh, simply for his offensive ability. And so – um, I think that that's a guy, even with a strong preseason, these next two games, I think that he's still outside of that roster bubble and maybe he plays well enough uh, to give himself a chance somewhere else after waivers. So uh, we'll see how he performs. Uh, okay. Let's, we talked about the offensive guards a little bit already. Let's mm-hmm. return to that here. Kendrick green played in the first game uh, against Seattle. Kevin Dotson did not n- nursing an ankle injury uh, last year. He missed half the season with a high ankle sprain. So uh, these ankles come a little bit worrisome yeah. with him these days, carrying all that, that, that massive barrel chested upper body. Mm-hmm. But uh, wh- what do you envision happening this game? And what do you want to see happen with these two guys against the Jaguars? I definitely want to see Dotson if he's healthy out there with the first mm-hmm. team. He is, he's the better player. I, I know that they want to try yep. to make green work. I know that's why they're kind of pushing this as like a battle. Cause Dotson's dealing with injuries. He hasn't been reliable. Green has been unreliable just being on the field in general. So you have two guys who have their issues, but for different reasons. I think Dotson is definitely by far the better player when he actually plays. That's not really a question for me. It's just, can he get out there? Does he look healthy? Does he look good? Assuming he's ready to go, he's the starting guard. There's no way that Green's going to beat him out at this point. Things would have to completely flip on their head. And as much as that'd be great, the the better offensive line you have, the better. I don't obviously see that happening. So I think it's his job to lose pretty easily at this point. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you as well. I mean, again, assuming that Dotson is healthy enough and ready to go, I'd love him, love to see him get the nod with the starters, plugging yeah. him in. He needs that chemistry. He's missed some practice time, uh, and he's missed half the season, like we said last year. And so, I don't think there's a question to. I put out a poll today. Last I saw, I uh, on Twitter, it had it had close to 200 uh, votes in. 98% of people thought that Kevin Dotson was the be- is a currently better player than Kendrick Green, and and that would be my vote as well. Uh, what we've seen from Dotson in his first two seasons, I don't think he's done really anything to disappoint. Uh, it, from, from expectations, at least. Especially, he might not be a yeah. pro, pro Bowl-level guy, but we're talking about a guy that if he does give up a bad play, he doesn't make a mistake, it, it's, it's typically a mental thing. It's not because he's physically overpowered. Right. I mean, we're, exactly. this is a guy that's – it carries his weight very, very well at 6'4", mm-hmm. 321. And unfortunately, and I know people like to say, they like to throw it off, toss it off to the side and say it doesn't matter. But man, when when Kendrick Green is 6'1", and 7'8", and in a shade over 300 pounds with, with short arms, it does matter. It does it matter does. when you're playing a position like this. You're just going to be smaller than all the guys you're going up against. And that kind of is a recipe for disaster. So we want to see Dotson get healthy. We want to see him win this job out. And I'll ask you, Shane, what happens we get through these next two games? Let's assume both of these guys play and they don't get injured, mm-hmm. but they both look bad. Like, do you think the Steelers would – do you think they would go the route of saying, hey, we need another guy and go out and sign a guy like Eric Flowers who's sitting there in free agency? That Obviously, they'd have to move some cap space around. They can restructure yeah, Watt if need be. But would you would you be up for that decision if both of these guys look bad over the next two preseason games? I would definitely not – just completely not even consider the idea of bringing someone else in. Like I think it's something you have to think about if they're really bad enough that you're looking at each other going, hmm, I don't know if we can go into the season with with either of these guys starting. I don't expect that, obviously, with Dotson minus an injury happening. Mm-hmm. Um, if Green's your only option, then maybe you, you definitely do that. Um, I think that bringing really any guy who has some experience or even maybe even making a minor trade for a guy that's maybe not going to get a chance to start on another team, but could be a starter for you or even John the glue. Like, I don't, you know, he's a guy that we've talked about has played better than green to this point. Maybe he gets the nod if there is an injury to Dotson, but I don't expect the Steelers to do that. I think that they will roll with whoever they have minus it being too many injuries to like deal with or something like that. But I wouldn't be opposed to it if it comes down to it. Yeah, I mean, you've gone this far. You've signed Mason Cole. You've signed James Daniels. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have a glaring weak link in that offensive line. And I agree with you. If Dotson is healthy, the Dotson we saw as a rookie, that guy was a mauler. And he, oh, and yeah. he actually he had, according to Pro Football Focus, he had the best uh, pass blocking grade yeah. of any of those interior Super guys. Super stout. It, Super stout. Yeah, and, and that was impressive. And it wasn't just a game or two. This guy got in like five five games of action where he played like starter snaps. And so exactly. uh, it, it was a significant chunk there and we just didn't see him very healthy last season. And so I hope he gets completely healthy and no more setbacks with his ankles. Uh, and I'd like to see what he can do if he is, because I think he could kind of return to form and be that, just that, that guy that we could at least have one player on that offensive line. That's that physical mauling type presence there. And so um, I'm excited to watch him this week, assuming that he's healthy and ready to go. All right. Let's look at the interior defensive line. Uh, if not wide receiver, I think this is the biggest question mark throughout mm-hmm. camp is who are going to be the guys at the bottom of this roster? Do the Steelers break historic trend by keeping a seventh interior defensive lineman? And I will just say again that I, I went back and I looked at uh, the depth chart history 
mm-hmm. um, in the archives for rlad.com. And it has been exactly 10 years since the last time the Steelers decided to roster that seventh interior defender for a season. Do they break that trend again this year for the first time in a decade to keep both Montrevious Adams and Isaiah Loudermilk for that final spot on the team? Do both of those guys make it? I would really like to see that because I think they both offer you very different things. Adams is a great athlete mm-hmm. on the interior. He has more pass rushing ability as it stands. He's he's the guy that knifes in, makes those quick plays. Loudermilk is a true Steelers defensive lineman in every way possible. He's the size, the attitude, the, you know, the t- toughness in the run game. And I think he is improving as a pass rusher. I think it's going to probably never be great. It's never going to be something that you're, you know him for. But he can be good enough where you don't have to only put him out there on like first and second down run, deep run situations. Both of these guys are guys that I think would get swiped up by any team on the, on the waiver wire for sure. Um, especially, honestly, Loudermilk because he fills a specific niche that a lot of teams could use in run defense. I would much rather not expose either of these guys. We already lost Quincy Roche last year is a, is a guy that I would like to keep. Don't want to have the same thing happen again where a talented defender ends up getting sniped. So I'd much rather see them both make it. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to say because, like, when you're when you're going against a historic trend like this, do I say that the first time is are they willing to do it this year? But I do. I, I think that this could be the year that they finally revert back to that for the first time in a decade, just simply because this is where the strength of your team is. It is yes. it is on the interior defensive line. This is where your depth is. I'd much rather you go that route than keeping somebody that is far less deserving of a roster yes. spot at a different position. I agree with you. I think that if you do cut louder milk. You're not stashing this guy back on the practice squad. He's no. a second year guy. Uh, they, the Steelers traded a fourth round pick to get back into the 2021 draft to select him. And it's a guy that has gotten bigger, more muscular, and I think a little bit better throughout camp. And so it, you don't, you don't see the guys very often either that are six, six, roughly three twenty ish and, and guys that can two gap that can hold up with the mm-hmm. point of attack and stop the run. And so he does hold a lot of value there. Very different, very different. Him and Montrevious Adams are, very different football players, but I think both of them are deserving a roster spot. Yeah. I want to see them both make it. Is there anything that can happen barring an injury in this game against Jacksonville to make the Steelers think otherwise and say, okay, maybe one of these guys, maybe, we, maybe we'll only keep six. I think it would have to be a situation where they really, really hate the depth somewhere else or an injury, like you said, happens at a, at a spot where they have to bring someone else in who is going to make the roster. Like there's no chance they don't. Mm whether that be maybe in a position like corner or, you know, if a receiver gets hurt and they want to keep six, they don't have six. They like something like that would have to happen. I think for them to not even consider keeping them both because they are the two guys that are on the technical roster bubble because of the six versus seven, keeping them. But I think they're both very, like we said, worthy of making the team. And I'd rather not lose guys like that over keeping a corner that isn't going to play right. Or a corner that you don't want to see out on the field, something like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. And we saw what happened just last year. Like this team got <laughs> depleted on mm-hmm. the interior defensive line and they struggled mightily as yes. a result. Dead last in the league in uh, rushing yards allowed, dead last in the league in yards allowed per attempt, 5.0, which is kind of humiliating for this Bad. Steelers defense, a defense that previously finished in the top six in four consecutive years. And so we do not want to go down that road again. I think, no. especially if we're looking at, just the ability, uh, run stopping ability. This is why you draft a guy like Loudermilk in the first mm-hmm. place. You want him to be that jumbo five technique, can slide in at one technique in nickel situations, a guy that can really 
be stout against the run. Now, I don't expect him to have a big role, but this no. is a guy that can can kind of carve out his niche with the team. They can go through a healthy rotation, a two or three uh, deep rotation on the defensive line where they're getting all these guys involved, keeping them all fresh in, in an attempt to avoid these injuries. And I think you're, you're trying to look at it like we've got to replace one Stefan to it. None yeah. of these guys can do it by themselves, no. but maybe if you have louder milks run stopping ability and Ogan Joby and Leal's pass rushing ability, maybe those guys collectively, you play yeah. them at the right time that can replace it to it. And, and I think that that's the hope. That's what I'm hoping that they're looking at right now. I would be really disappointed if they had to get rid of one. I know Adams only spent five games on the Steelers roster last year, but he looked pretty good. And I, th yeah. I think that if they cut him, he's probably going to be the best player that the Steelers cut this year. And so oh, yeah. I don't so. love that happening either. Backup nose tackle, like I said, different roles, but defensive line is deep. I can't say the same for every other position. It's like defensive no. line, wide receiver. There's a couple and there are some that are really, really thin. Let's talk about another one that's really thin. Let's be, let's be the last one that we discussed today. Let's talk about the cornerback position. I don't mind what the Steelers have going for them up front. I think it could be better. And I think if we look at it in terms of other rosters around the league, it's still below average in my mind. When you're looking at Akella Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, and Cam Sutton uh, as your top three cornerbacks. After that, it gets a little bit dicey. We've got mm -hmm. Arthur, Arthur Mallette's been running with the first team. He's really the only other guy I think the team really trusts to be yeah. like that nickel defender. So if something were to happen to Cam Sutton, and Arthur Millette is an experienced guy. He's in his late 20s. He played a lot with the Jets even back then. And so he's got that experience. I think they feel comfortable keeping him on the roster, sliding him into that role. Uh, not a particularly great coverage guy, but a guy that knows what he's doing. He can come right. downhill and support the run uh, a little bit like a very poor man's like Mike Hilton type. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I think that's a guy that's going to stick around. The next two, though, is where it gets a little bit tricky. James Pierre, Justin Lane. These are two guys that battled each other last year. Uh, both had their moments in the preseason and training camp and same with this year a little bit, although I would definitely give the edge to Pierre. How do you see this battle going out? Is there any room for both of them on the roster or is it one or the other? I just, my concern is you're looking at two guys who are about as different as possible. You have mm -hmm. Justin Lane, who's the athlete. It's why he was drafted as high as he was. He's a great athlete at corner. No technique to speak of just cannot cover consistently despite his athletic gifts. And then you have James Pierre, who in general is a very good technician, knows how to cover guys, but just doesn't have the athleticism to stay with some really talented receivers that he's going to face. And you don't really feel great about a lot of players that might be on him or that you would want him to guard, except for some bigger receivers who don't have as much juice. And we saw what happened like with Jamar Chase last year when he had to cover him on the deep ball. Like it just isn't there, but he at least brings you like, you know, he's able to cover players as long as you give him the right matchups. Whereas Lane, I don't trust him in really many matchups at all. So Pierre is the better corner as it stands right now. It's just, can you live with the lack of athleticism? And then Lane gives you the athleticism, but do you trust him to cover anybody? That's kind of your, your issue right now. Yeah, I totally agree with your assessment there. And Lane was a guy I was pretty high on coming out of college just because you don't see guys like that very often over no. six foot two, long wingspan, great athlete. I mean, this guy, and he was a young player coming out, former yeah. wide receiver convert, but therein lies part of the problem. Yeah. I, I would probably think as well, it's such a developmental prospect. And you don't see many of these success stories. Akella Witherspoon was one of them though. Mm -hmm. He was one of those guys that had to work his way up the ladder, was basically just a tools-based prospect coming out. And I think he's performed well over the past two years now, but it took him a long time 
to get to that point already a 27 year old player. So it wasn't great in his first several years in, but, but it started coming along strong yeah. with the 49ers in, in 2020. And then at the end of the season with the Steelers in 2021, even at the first three quarters of the season, Witherspoon did essentially nothing with the Steelers couldn't find yeah. his way on the field. And so mm-hmm. when you're working with tools, guys that are those developmental prospects, it's so hard, but at some point, I feel like you just have to, to bite the bullet and you got to give up on Justin Lane, like yeah. year four now, how, what, what does he have to offer? And if he hasn't shown enough improvement, enough strides over that time, I worry that he's just one of those guys that's just not going to get it. At yeah. the same time, not thrilled about James Pierre either. I think yeah. this is a guy, if you're only asked to cover 10 to 15 yards down the field, I think he could be excellent. Oh, yeah. But you get past that, and we saw him just get torched down the field a few times last year. And there is no, when you got four, six speed as a corner, which is it's essentially hard. what James Pierre had, four, five, nine, I believe that is pro day, you're, you're just not going to be able to have the speed to make up to, to cover NFL receivers down the field. And so both a little bit worrisome in their own ways. Honestly, I really think that this is just a position that the Steelers need to invest in at some yes. point in the future. Uh, I think Pierre and Lane at their very, on their very best day, they should be a, a bottom of the roster corner and one that you probably don't really want seeing the field. And so I, if, if fans are looking at it from the perspective, like, yeah, let's let these guys battle it out. One of them is, is going to be the future for us. I would not think that way at all. No. I think we've seen enough of them. And I just don't think that they've got what it takes to, to be that top flight corner, even a starting caliber corner that you look for in the NFL. So I'm really hoping that their top three guys stay healthy and that we yes, don't have to see important. a situation where one of these guys is getting played too many snaps. But be interesting to see how that turns out. I think that Pierre's on the inside of the bubble right now. My prediction, yep. I think that, that Lane is on the outside. And so I think it would take uh, a pretty incredible two-game stretch from Lane yeah. uh, to maybe change the mind of the Steelers and some strong practices at the end of training camp here to have them thinking the other way. All right, Shane, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you for joining the podcast today, Shane. Absolutely. You can follow him on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.